Please forgive me if um, there are some ums and ers in this piece. Um, I'm doing this on the hoof largely with just a few notes. This is called Jimi Hendrix, Ghost of the Future. It was 1968, I was 15. My father Tom knew I had fallen under the spell of Jimi Hendrix, which uh, perplexed and bemused him, but anything to focus my mind, he thought, must be good for me. He handed me an album, Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland. Shut the doors, Tom instructed as I went up to my bedroom to play the album on a portable gramophone. My brother had left me since he was at university in Liverpool. From those first few bars, my hair stood on end and I was ghost all over. By the time I reached Voodoo Child's slight return, I was in raptures, taken into another world via those open, uh, the opening bars. Indeed, that opening of Voodoo Child is the iconic sound of the 60s for millions of people. However, disappointment ensued. My album was half an album. Electric Ladyland had been released as both a double album and a single album. Johnny Hurst had the double album. After much negotiating, Johnny let me borrow the double album. Keep it in the bag, Johnny instructed. It came in a brown paper bag because the double album cover had naked women all over it. Still, for one night only... I had the whole experience. Grudgingly, I gave back Johnny's album. Still, on my LP, there was Jimi Hendrix's masterpiece, All Along the Watchtower, with lyrics by Bob Dylan, of course. Now, I think I should explain how Hendrix's work entered my brain via my senses, what had been the blues up, to in a, up into a rock beat with guitar licks around a song became another language for me. His guitar was literally talking and wailing and moaning. I cared not a damn for, you know, that psychedelic tag. Hendrix had broken into the song, into the words, with sounds which cut across and through and around the meaning of the words themselves. One could become the other. Bob Dylan gifted all along the watchtower to Hendrix. The track is the ghost of the future, in my view, not the past. Despite the inclusion of their, their like, there been a prince, the joke of the horseman and the ploughman, as of old, all along the watchtower is a song of foreboding. That is, it not only mirrors the 60s, that speaks to us today of the present and the future. For a few plays, Hendrix's rendition of Dylan's song centre stage of this COVID-19 ravaged world today, it is still pertinent. In this world of terrible climate change driven by princes of capitalist greed, it remains a song of foreboding in which we side with the thief, not the prince. Hendrix's All Along the Watchtower gives the song real drama. We're in the moment. We're left questioning, what next? Is the Watchtower protecting us or is it not protecting us? Is the 
the prince protecting us? Is he not protecting us? Is it, or is he just keeping us under surveillance? Are we on horseback riding towards the watchtower? This strident ambiguity gives the song its enduring edge. And it is an enduring edge because of the sounds within and around the lyrics. Over the years, much has been written about Hendrix. Starting at zero, his own story is a good place to start. It's a, you know, it's a book told in his own words. It tells his own story, as it were. Another book, Jimi Hendrix Frequently Asked Questions by Gary J. Zucha, purports to answer every question there is to ask about the voodoo child. But in some areas, I think it's pretty woeful, in my opinion. Zucha argues in this 2013 book that Hendrix's guitar rendition of the Star-Spangled Banner at the Woodstock Festival 1969 was not political at all. I vehemently disagree. It was not just political, but culturally revolutionary act. Wailing sirens, machine guns and explosions do not make a national anthem enjoyable at the top table of society. Here was proof again that Hendrix could make his guitar talk. Of course, without flinching, he could debunk notions of his rendition's insurrection in words because his music spoke for itself. He didn't need to explain. Next month, it's coming up to the 50th anniversary of his young death. Of course, however accidental in an important sense, commercialism killed Hendrix in that his world, the world he inhabited wasn't his own. In 1971, the year of his death, he had begun to break away. He was not just a massive talent. His heart and soul was in the music, and all the pointers suggest he would have gone further into blues and jazz. Though London was his place of death, London had played a role in Hendrix's life. In the USA of the 1960s, venues and many recording studios were run on segregated lines. Hendrick's known abilities were trapped and exploited in that segregation. Hendrix played a big role in breaking down racism in that the success of the experience in the United Kingdom in Britain enabled him to then play at venues so often reserved for white rock musicians in the United States. He was the visual and audible symbol of black people breaking down the barriers. I was a supply teacher in a large comprehensive school out in the sticks a few years ago. In a class of over 30 15-year-olds, I was asked, What's your favourite music then? Jimi Hendrix, I replied. Eight of the students lit up like beacons out in the depths of Norfolk. They were the shy ones, ones with lower self-esteem. The one had ADHD, for example. After all these years, Hendrix was their touchstone too. The shy ones, the scraggy ones, the ones who couldn't sit still for a moment. 
and the ones most eager to stand up for a diverse, caring world, a world without prejudice. Black Lives Matter indeed. To me, Hendrix is not a ghost of the past. His ghost is still riding a horse towards some watchtower out there in the future. Or is that future with us now? <laughs>